Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special mini-series episode of Romance at a Glance. We are talking Shadow and Bone on Netflix today. I'm your host, Bridget. With me, as always, is my co-host, Shawnee. Hi, Shawnee. Hi, Bridget. And also with us is our other co-host, Jane. Hey, Jane. Hi, Bridget. Hi, Shawnee. Guys, we're very excited that we have Shawnee here just for episode one. And then me and Jane are going to talk to some very special booktubers and tick but. TikTok boobers? No. What's the name? <laughs> Booktube and talk is the word I was looking for. And it's going to be a very, very fun time. I have read all of the books in the Grishaverse. Shawnee has read book one of Shadow and Bone. And Jane has read one through three plus the first six of Crows. First, before we get too deep, what was like your overall impression of episodes one, two, and three? Right off the bat, I'll just say in general, let's start with the positives, is that I love it. And I'm so excited to keep going. And it was extremely difficult to stop. And also there were construction workers outside my house and I was watching and I did not like that because I was getting so invested. Yes, what about you, Shani? So I would agree with Jane, the positives. One, I I like some of the casting. Two, I like the story because we're in production. I a long ago realized like how you have to alter a story in order to tell it in a shorter amount of time. So I actually am not mad at some of the ways they altered it to make more sense. I've only read book one, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that looks like a setup for stuff that I don't know about yet. So I'm actually super, I, I had to stop at three and go, Shani, don't go on to episode four. Just stop at three. But once we get off this podcast, I'm going to go uh, binge watch more. <laughs> Yeah, I was telling Jane, it's a good thing that we actually planned to record right after we all watched one, two, and three on Friday, because otherwise, for sure, all of us would have watched all the episodes and then been like, what are we supposed to be talking about the whole season? Oh, you guys, I agree with them. I think very strong first three episodes. If you have not watched them yet and you would like to refrain from hearing spoilers, pause this episode, go watch them and come back because we are about to get into it. You guys ready to get popping? Ready to get popping, Bridget. <laughs> Let's go. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Okay, you guys. Let's start with episode number one. So, I will say that I was so happy that I liked Mal. Oh God. So yeah. I was concerned because Mal at times is a pab. A pussy ass bitch. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. And I was concerned that his character on screen could have come through with different casting and directing as a real pab. Yes. And I'm very happy to note that I really, really liked the way they augmented his character. 100%. I thought they actually made him better than in the books. Like, I... Like in the books, I was like, girl, don't mess with that fool. But in here, I'm like, oh my God, I can feel the heart feels and the the whole situation. I also am kind of glad that they didn't give her so much angst that was in the book. Like in the book, she was like pining after him, pining and other girl get over and let's move on. And in this, like, you know that she like feels for him, but you don't feel like that like crazy angst notable difference is in the books alina like every single time she's talking to mal or looking at mal from like across the distance she's constantly thinking about how ugly she is and how every girl around her is so beautiful and is so jealous and she hates everybody but in this like she has a really easy confidence with him that i think gives them chemistry like right off the bat immediately that i was like thank god yeah i think the the biggest difference in terms of plot that i noticed in the first episode is that in the books, she 
is supposed to be like quite sickly because she doesn't use her Grisha power. So she's supposed to be very weak and gets winded quickly and um, is like has like sort of a sickly pallor to her skin and and in general is just like unable to keep up. That's what they describe all the time that like she, when she was a child, her and Mao were equals. And then as she grew up, he was like getting more and more boisterous. And in this, they got rid of that storyline, which I think is great. Cause like in terms of visuals, it's like, I wouldn't, that would not be fun to watch, but also it puts her and Mal more of like, uh, not lovers quite, but clearly they are in love and love each other deeply. And they are, you know, equals to each other. Like she's not like some weird, creepy little sickly friend that his friends are like, why do you hang out with her? She's still, you know, she looks tired because she's on the road and she's dirty like they all are, but she's not like someone that they're, like when his friends meet her, they don't say like, oh, why would you be friends with her? They're like, this is Alina, interesting. <laughs> I like how the story also started this in the action or really near the action. I'm not gonna lie, I don't know the difference between episode one, two or three, like <laughs> in terms of what we're talking about. But like, I like that you we were already seeing the action about to happen and that we didn't have to like, uh, oh, and that they did the flashbacks to the childhood, like as you're getting into the story, instead of us like having to sit through their childhood first and that sort of thing. One thing that I was uh, super, super into, obviously, is, well, maybe, maybe Shawnee doesn't know this, obviously, but everyone listening who's ever read these books should know that I love Kaz, Jesper, and Inesh. I love them so much. I think their books are stronger than this original trilogy. And when I heard that they were going to be folded into the story, I was wildly excited. And when I first saw them, I was just like, my heart was bursting. My, they are all caps in my notes <laughs> with exclamation points. Jane, I wanted to see what you thought about the way that they differentiated like the filming style where their scenes were very like quick swipes, quick moving the way that they're snappy, like the plot of theirs moved with the camera versus like the more sort of sweeping epic of shadow and bone scenes. They're not even in a heist yet, but like it definitely immediately reminds me of heist movies. And I, every single time it got to Ketterdam, I was like, yes, I'm so excited. And I also love the music, like the soundtrack I was noticing when you got to Ketterdam was like so exciting. I want to immediately start talking about Kaz though. What Bridget, please you first. Kaz Brecker in the show, thoughts. So I am in love with it, all three of them, but him as well, because you can see what they will evolve into. So this is two years prior to the what takes place in their books. And, and by the time we get to their books, they are already sort of the titans of Ketterdam in terms of like, he is like a notorious boss. Like she is now called the Wraith and she's like the best spy in all of Ketterdam. Jesper is like the best gun shooter in all of Ketterdam. So I love that you can see like the ruthlessness of like where they will go, but that they're not quite there. And you see the glimpses of like the uncertainty and their relationships aren't quite at the place that they will eventually become. I thought the actress, I mean, I thought Jesper did a great job when you meet Kaz and see Kaz interact with Jesper and like the fear in his eyes, like he knows Kaz might kill him and like that he wouldn't care and like how cruel Kaz is to Inej to help her become more ruthless to protect herself. Like I, I was all for it. 
What did you think? Uh, I will say first three episodes as a whole, Jesper gets the award for me for best boy in the world. I'm in love with him. I'm obsessed with him. The actor is like so charming and like his like little swagger and his little like gun twirls. All his scenes are so funny. Okay, I will say I totally get what you mean about like two years prior and like you see how they are before and how they're going to become what they become. But I will say I'm getting I'm feeling a little disappointment in Kaz just because he's like they've upped the angst to 11 and there's like i'm missing the quips where are my quips you know and my like clever retorts and like easy confidence and cruel smiles i'm mostly just getting him like super sad and nervous with for some reason nervous about like everything and i'm not sure where that's coming from he does seem a little bit i did write in one of the episodes that he flinched like when the two guys who work for Pekka Rawlings came to his office, first of all, I thought he got beaten up too fast. And then he like flinched, which I was like, Kaz doesn't flinch, never flinches. He bows for no one. <laughs> but also he does talk about like in Six of Crows that he did like whatever he had to do to get to where he was like, and it didn't matter. So I think, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how he evolves, but I was super happy with all three of them. They did change Inej's storyline. Like they gave her like a brother, which I'm not quite sure why, like what purpose that will serve in the longer plot. And they also made her still partially underneath the woman who owns the brothel who bought her as a slave. They kept her as like, he had bought out most of her contract, but not the whole contract. So they still have to like bargain, which I think was like a ploy to show that Kaz cares about her more than anyone else because he's willing to like give her his club if they don't succeed. But I'm not really sure like what the purpose of that was. Because so Shawnee, to give you a little clarity, in the books, he outright buys Inej's contract. They, they never, she never ever speaks to the lady again. She like stays away from that street. She's incredibly traumatized because she was sold as a slave, like kidnapped, sold as a slave to this brothel. And that lady would like beat her and like do all these. And of course, like sold her as a prostitute. So she like letting men rape her whenever they want to. But even more so than that, it was like that she was like, if she did anything wrong, she would beat her, but then sometimes be nice, but then sometimes be incredibly cruel and everything. So, and he, part of the reason she goes with him is because he gives her her, like he teaches her how to be, how to survive and how to become the thing that everyone fears. And I don't know if I like the fact that it makes him seem weaker that he didn't have enough to buy her originally. Because in the books, he already has like, he basically sells everything he owns and is like, like everything he's worked for, for like at the time, like six years, like everything he's stolen, everything to get her. So he's like, because he knows. Oh, that's way more impactful. <laughs> I know. So I, I don't know what the point of it is. Aside from that on screen now, you see he's willing to give up everything for her versus it already happening. So like, maybe yeah. that's why. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think like, I do agree with the heist, like feeling of their scenes. I love the scene where Jesper, like you think Jesper's just this like sort of carousing gambler addict which he is but like when he stands up and he's uh, you know on the the train going across the fold and then just starts like closes his eyes and starts shooting I was like ooh, love it that's a great thing too well with the okay the conductor that's a new character yeah I don't remember him <laughs> from the books it's a new thing okay there's so much because I've only read book one there's so much that I don't know 
is coming like is this person new or are they coming did you feel like you were lost though because i thought i would i did not feel like if i didn't have prior knowledge i wouldn't have been able to follow everything i thought they did a good job of like giving you enough exposition but not in huge dumps and small dumps that you kind of like understood the world I loved that they didn't give me huge dumps. I loved that the childhood came in in certain moments. I love that they flashed to the childhood when like she reaches her hand out when she's young and then it's it's his face when he's older. And like, that was just, they gave me all the feels with that. And I didn't feel, I feel like they gave me just enough of the childhood for me to feel for them and not feel like I'm here for a history lesson. I did not feel lost at all. I did feel like there's other stuff in books that I haven't read yet that, you know, that they're trying to tie in. So Kaz, what you guys were talking about, about him being like the quips and stuff like that, I'm like, oh man, I like, I would have loved for that, you know? I think that maybe they are trying to give him some sort of growth, somewhere to go in the actual, you know, series or whatever. But the one thing I loved, okay, this didn't make the podcast. However, I told you that I have a problem with magic in books, right? And the reason I have a problem with magic is that it's pretty much, you can do magic at any time. So then like at certain points in Harry Potter, I'm like, why didn't he just do that spell? Or why didn't he just do that thing? So what I like about in this book is that they explain, so I always say that alchemy to me is more interesting than magic, right? So in this book, they actually explain that they aren't doing magic, they are doing alchemy of a sort, which I really enjoyed. I like that because now that means there's a finite, you know, there's something that means there's a finite amount of magic that any one person can do. Yeah. And that's why they get the amplifiers and that's why they are trying to always like improve. I thought the visual of, I was a little bit concerned because occasionally it can seem very hokey, but I thought the visual of them doing their, whatever their powers were, the heart renders or the the squalors, the, you know, I thought that all looked great. I thought her light thing, I wasn't as crazy about, but I was like, but it's also like a TV show budget. And so I'm like, they only had so much CGI money per shot. So her face is really, really funny. I thought the darkness looked cool. Yeah. The, the face is like too, too blown out. The darkness. Yeah. The scene where she gets uh, ambushed by Fjordan, uh Druskel and the Darkling shows up on his horse. And there's yeah. this really good shot where she, the Fjordan's on top of her and like, Darklin's riding on up and he gets off his horse, right? And then it's like from her perspective and he's like unfocused in the background and his cloak just like floats around him and like the darkness starts rising up. I was like, ee And then he does the cut and like blood splashes on her face. Yes, and you're like, I love how they do the cut too. Like the little, like the materializing of that like line. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I thought it was great. So, you know, like details for me are like a weird thing. So I know why they did this, but it still drove me crazy. They throw her in the bathtub and they're like, we got to clean you up before you see the king. And then they didn't <laughs> at all. And I was like, first off, she's been in that tub for about 30 seconds. Yeah. Her chocha, all that stuff, still pretty dirty. Like, <laughs> like put her back in the tub for at least another 60 seconds. Let's get a little wash going here. But but I know they didn't wash her face so that the lady could, could magically make it more or whatever. But I still, in my head, I was like, <laughs> yeah when she did not get her hair washed i was like that was dumb i thought she was gonna be like you only have an hour and she was gonna like be like okay and hand the sponge back and then they were gonna like chug her whole body real fast and then it would cut to her being like yeah clean. that's what i thought was gonna happen too so speaking of the darkling i am confused because they started talking about this general and i was like who the fuck's this general <laughs> they keep talking about i was like i don't and i'm going like i don't remember any generals yeah, me too. at this point in the books like 
I just reread them. What is going on? And then you see the generals here and the darkling walks in and I was like, who's general? What is happening? What's happening? And I'm wondering what you guys think about that. I did too. I was confused. I mean, I thought I missed something, honestly. I, I was I was like, did I miss that his name was Crick? what Kiger? Kerrigan. Kerrigan? Oh, there you go. Kerrigan. I was like, I, I feel like maybe I somehow just missed that in the book. I didn't remember him being in general. I didn't remember that being his name. I just remember him as the Darkling. That was interesting, but I like, so it took me a minute to know that he was the Darkling, which that was the one thing I was annoyed about. I didn't know that he was the Darkling until a little bit later on. Until he like cut her and the darkness came yeah. out. Yeah. Well, happened the, the Fjordans like whispers like Darkling and that's the only time. Oh, I missed that. I missed that. My kids were watching with me. And by watching with me, I mean just like shouting and climbing on me. So <laughs> I missed that. I had to turn on subtitles at one point because I was like, I keep missing things. You guys need to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I personally did not like it. I'm assuming they have a reason for it and that later someone's going to say, well, he's the Darkling or something like that, or Bagra is going to tell him. Or some, it's going to come out and be a way to like distinguish the good general that she thinks he is with the like reality of him being the Darkling, or at least that's my assumption. I don't like it. It kind of ages him a little bit too. Kierigan feels like an old man name. It doesn't fit the swag and the joie de vivre of the Darkling. So- in my mind, when I'm reading the book and I'm thinking of the Darkling and how they describe him, I i mean, he was swagalicious. You know, I just, I envisioned him so different than in in the show. In the show, he looks a lot older to me than, and he's supposed to be kind of beautiful, like ruggedly beautiful. And Don't you and say Ben Barnes me, isn't beautiful. I will come across <laughs> his computer screen and slap I'm you, Johnny. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's not regularly beautiful. Okay? This is this is more of a nitpick because I do him. I'll, I'll just tell you right now, I do him. But I but he looks older to me than I envisioned the Darkling to be. Like I agree with that. He looks like a, he looks like a man in his late 40s to me, and that's not what? how I envisioned the Darkling. Oh, my 40s. He's in his 30s, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. He don't know. He's not aging well then. First of all, you're wrong for that. Secondly, <laughs> like, first of all, she's supposed to be a teenage. She's supposed to be like 18. She's supposed to be 17. 17. 17. And he's supposed to feel like he's like 25, let's say. But she's clearly in her early 20s and he's in his 30s, which I don't mind because I love Ben Barnes. Aside from the fact that if I was a king, I would be more like concerned with someone who was older and looked older just because that is how people think that you like gather power and whatnot. My thing about Ben Barnes is he looks incredibly young when he has no facial hair and I'm surprised that they had him have facial hair. Oh my gosh. Not that I hate it on him because he has a beautiful, you know, whatever, but uh, without facial hair, he looks much younger. I Googled him because I was like, what do you guys know this Ben Barnes that I don't know? And I'm seeing... Him looks so much younger yeah. on the internet than he looks like in the show. I think the beard makes him look older. But again, I think, or at least what it feels like in the interactions between them is that he is going to sort of use that teacherly gravitas to make her fall in love with him. And I don't think on camera, it's a bad thing that he's older because if in the book, when I read that he's looks like he's, you know, 22 and beautiful and young, that's fine. But also 
like you can in your mind when she says like, but he feels old. That's something in your mind that you understand and can comprehend. But visually when it's a literal actor, it's much harder to feel that quote unquote oldness in someone who's baby faced or like, even if they're like chiseled jawlines and stuff, it's still a much harder thing too. So I understand why they did it. Also Ben Barnes has like a much bigger name and he's a very good actor. So yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dispute that. <laughs> I get, I bet you, I bet you he's shirtless at some point <laughs> in the first season. I hope so. <laughs> they already got male shirtless. Yeah, oh, right away. <laughs> right away, boxing match undercover under when you see him with the jacket on you're like he's an attractive looking dude and then you see him boxing and you're like where'd all those big muscles come from besides how uh ben barnes looks though which is good i also think that he's just doing a really good job like i in the books darkling i wasn't immediately as into the darkling as i was saying people were Mm -hmm. in the books in the show like i'm getting it right away like i understand alina you are valid i get it girl go ahead yeah, go ahead. Go on with your bad self, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think I think he has the first of all, he like looks at her. He's like really looking. And they're like, thank you. I would like you to look at me. Uh and also like the scene where he like she pulls her sleeve up a little bit in the fir- in the tent where they first meet. He says, like, pull up your sleeve because he wants to draw the dark snout and he like puts on that creepy little claw and then he like pulls her sleeve all the way up and like pulls her to him. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like in- intriguing. Are we going into dark romance? What's happening here? The one thing I, I do like, so when I was reading the books, like I was into the darkling, but I knew he was going to be a bad guy. Like very, very early on, I was like, okay, there's going to be a switch flip somewhere here. I can see this coming. And in the show, I like it a little bit better because even though he still has that ominous feeling, you can't quite differentiate between sexual tension and like him wanting nefarious things. They kind of meld together better. So even though I already know the story, I'm also like, oh, is he going to be bad? (laughs) Like I already know he's going to be bad. (laughs) Honestly, if I was watching this the first time, I wouldn't immediately think he was a bad guy. Because first of all, his name's not the Darkling. So like, that seems like maybe that's a giveaway. But also, like, you could tell the second that Pekka Rawlings came on screen from the music and the way he talked and that, that, oh, he's a villain. You could tell immediately when you met the king, like, oh, he's not a good king. You could tell immediately when you met Zoya, like, oh, she's going to be a bitch. Like, but I feel like the Darkling, you're right, sort of straddles that, like, what's his deal? What's his deal? I, I have a random question that's a little off topic, but because we talked about the king and the and the queen and, and stuff. And so the woman who comes to help- Jenya. Jenya, my beloved. Alina. Jenya's the best. <laughs> right? So I really enjoy her in the books, right? But they describe, they describe her and they describe the queen and everybody as like the super most beautiful people you've ever seen in your life, not a wrinkle on their face. I was actually expecting the queen to look like she'd been Botox and lip filler. I did too. I thought it was weird that she didn't look Botoxed. I thought she was going to look like a marble sculpture. That's what I thought so too. You know, and I was just like, I was expecting them both to be like uber, uber beautiful and like flawless, almost to the point of kind of like, it being a little plasticky. Like they're under an Instagram folder at all times. Yes. And so I was kind of underwhelmed by that because I was like, ooh, how are they going to do it? Before it happened, I was already curious, like, ooh, how are they going to do that thing? So I was surprised that they didn't CGI them 
a little bit and that they essentially didn't put a filter on them to make them like a little bit more luminous, a little bit redder lips, a little bit brighter cheeks, a little bit more twinkle, a little bit more hair sparkle because first of all, it's possible. And also, especially like you said, for Jenya, because she's supposed to be the most beautiful person that anyone's ever seen ever. And she's like perfecting her. And I'm not saying that woman's not beautiful. Don't get me wrong. She is beautiful. They chose a beautiful actress. Exactly. But she's supposed to be like otherworldly beautiful because she tailors herself. Like she has, like, that's all she does. And same with the queen. I think they should have chosen either chosen, like it's an old king and the queen is supposed to be his age, but there's hire an actress who's 25 and say, but no, she's 60, but she's a 25 year old. Or, and then Zoya, I think they did a good job with Zoya because Zoya is beautiful, but she, she has more of like a flush to her, like when she's using her powers and sort of out and about. And I think that like, for me, Zoya was like charismatic and sort of drawing you in and sensual and stuff. Speaking of Zoya, what did you guys think about the fact that they completely changed the beginning with Mal and she literally says like, (laughs) I want to have sex with you essentially. <laughs> and Mal's like, no, nah, I'm good. I should go and goes back to Alina. Cause in the book, he's standing next to Alina and he sees Zoya in a carriage go by and he's like, gotta go. I'm going to go shoot my shot. And he has sex with her and like leaves Alina. I'm going to go ahead and vote yes to that. I don't mind that. And that's going to go with also, I like the way they're doing Zoya in general because the first book, and I, I've talked to you, Bridget, about how much this annoyed me. Zoya was like over the top, hysterical, mean girl, like insane person. And I think they really gave her like an actual character. And part of the way they did that, her her opening scene is like, you know, propositioning Mal. But then she has some scenes like kind of on her own too, where she's just like being a soldier and like a person outside of it. And I didn't mind that Mal said no, because I think they're going to do this. I hope they do this. I would like it better if they did this, that Mal like knows a little bit more about his feelings for Alina than he does in the book because I don't love the I didn't realize I loved you until you were hot and I was jealous someone else wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I like the fact that he is saying no to Zoya because he like doesn't want to be with someone else. I agree right so one I think they're giving the man a no which in general a lot of times like men aren't allowed to say no or to not want to have like intercourse with a woman especially if she's hot and they're like bro why are you saying no and it's like no that like, I like that he exercises no, and they showed that. I also like that whoever is writing this, I mean, this book is what, 10 years old at least, right? So they're updating our social justice, like, knowledge and our wokeness of today with something that was written 10 years ago. And I like that update. I don't think just because it was written, it needs to stay that way. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, um, I don't know if you've watched Anne of Green Gables on Netflix, but there's a scene where um, I think it's Josie, somebody, she's getting married and, you know, be a housewife and do that housewife thing. And she doesn't want to. And in the books, she actually goes through with it and gets married and does the thing. But in the series, they updated it that she leaves him at the altar and they do this amazing running scene with her in a wedding dress in the white snow. And I love it. And I just love that they're actually taking old literature and updating it to you know what we know now that we know better and do better kind of thing i agree the ancient tomes i mean 2012 was ancient (laughs) i know they are (laughs) like one of the things i thought was interesting which i don't think i like but i'm not quite sure how they're gonna do it is so in the book uh, alina's power comes out the first time because mal is about to be killed 
and she's he's gotten injured the way he sort of did in the book and she's like standing over him and then in this one she gets like grabbed from behind and then lights up but like in the other one it's coming down to like kill them both and then she like lights up to save him and herself but him primarily and in this he basically says like oh goodbye I'll see, I'll see you in the afterlife I'll wait for you and then she's like getting taken from him which is kind of why she lights up I don't know like the re- it was more like instead of protecting him which was sort of her main impetus in the book is to protect others in this one it was like I was like she was almost like she was saving herself which again I'm not like opposed to but it's like a weird shift in her character because she really does everything to protect Ravka and like it's not to like advance herself it's more to protect others and then the other one that I thought was weird was a big part of her story in the books is that she gets tested as a child and she suppresses her her Grisha powers and she suppresses it to stay with Mal because he feels like home. And in this one, they like run away into a field and then don't get tested, which doesn't really make sense because they test every child in Ravka. And so they knew like the orphanage knew they didn't get tested. So they would have just come back the next day. Like that just felt like a very weird storyline. And also she didn't have to choose to like, she doesn't like literally in her mind choose to suppress her power as a child. She just does it to stay with Mal. She just knows instinctively I have to do this, but she doesn't suppress it. So like, why hasn't her power come out? And I don't know. I just felt like that was like a plot hole for me. I think it was a plot hole. I do think that they kind of give you a little bit of that feeling when she's like, okay, well, like I'm not going to go get tested because I don't want us to be separated. So it felt like instinctually she knew that she was going to be separated from him, but you like, you can infer it, but I do think that, yeah, that is a a big kind of deviation from the storyline, especially when like there, it's like looking for the Messiah, right? You know, like Christians are always looking for the Messiah. The Messiah is coming back and you got to test every kid to find out who the Messiah is going to be. And you're going to miss two kids because they're hiding. You only miss kids because their parents said that they drowned in a well and have hidden them for five years. Like those are the kids you miss. You don't miss kids that you know they're there and they're at an orphanage. Exactly. You know what I mean? You know, they're coming back at night to get fed. You like, to me, then it doesn't quite make sense. But there's also another question I have, and, and maybe you guys can answer this for me. So Ali, who was on the, the ship when they were sailing through, gets taken. He's like one of the first people to get taken when they're attacked, right? So Alexi's the person in the show that gets like kidnapped. And he's got the hood on his head and whatever. Does he actually in the future books uh, escape or did he die, die? Because I was like, I thought, I thought he was dead, dead. He's dead. Okay. Yeah, he died. No, he's dead, dead. Okay. So the characters who are from Ketterdam, so like Kaz and Pekka and Inej and all of them, they're not in the trilogy at all as characters. Yeah, they're in the duology, which takes place two years after the end of the trilogy. So you do get flashbacks during those two books to events that happened in earlier years. And Nina, who's the one who gets captured by the Furidans, on the sh- and is like chained on the ship. So Nina is in those two books as part of their little group. And so basically they he the the showrunner just when he read all the books was like I won't make Shadow and Bone unless I can use those characters too cuz they're so good. And then he created so essentially their plot in this is a prequel to their book if that makes sense. Oh okay okay. Got it. So then to me, there is like a little bit of a plot hole here, actually kind of a big one, which is that Alexi, when they say they got attacked, they were at like marker two. 
out of 37 markers. That means he ran 35 markers. If you can run through the entire fold, why is it such a big deal? <laughs> Am I wrong? I'm just <laughs> You're not wrong, but I think the only reason that it worked is because all of the Volcaro were going to the ship where the light is because they're attracted to the light and the sound. So he's ran away and they were all attracted. And then the real reason he made it is because she's the sun summoner and they, she killed all the Volcra that were near there. So that's how he made it. Otherwise he would have been eaten for sure. But he basically got lucky that he happened to just like stumble through the dark because he just ran through the dark and hoped for the best basically. Yeah. And he probably should have gone the other way. He didn't know where he was. He's in the dark. <laughs> he's in the fold. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the fold looked cool. I thought they did a good job making it look yeah, they like very ominous and creepy with the like billowing sort of black cloud almost-esque like lightning in there. And I like the blue light. I like the blue light like lighting up like a tree or something. You don't know exactly what it is. I thought that was I cool. thought the Volcra yeah. looked creepy. Appropriately yeah. scary. I, yeah. I don't know what I thought they looked like when I was reading the book. Like I don't think I actually made a thing for them. They just were like the Volcra and super scary. So actually seeing a visual representation of them, I was like, oh, is that what they're supposed to look like? <laughs> I just remember them having wings. Yeah, besides bat wings, because they're always in the dark, so you never really see what they look like. Also, Bridget, you mentioned Nina, and I just have to speak on Nina because Please. Nina has me under her spell. Nina has bewitched me. Matthias yeah, is in for it because Nina has me sold. She's only had a couple scenes, but like, in wow. episode three, it's the first time we see her. I'm obsessed. So Nina is also Grisha and she gets kidnapped by the Dushkili, which are the Fyrgin, like, they're like elite soldiers who fight Grisha and capture them and bring them back for trial, but like, everyone's always found guilty and killed so it's like not really a trial so it's a witch it's a witch hunt for sure and they call them witches and i think she was great casting like in the book she's described as like curvy and full of life and like mischief and like always sassy and fights back and never takes like never is like docile and always is just like talking and at one point in one of the game in one of the books someone says like well, all we need is Nina and Jesper to just flirt with everyone and then we'll be home free because they just like are constantly flirting. But I loved that, like, first of all, I love that they cast an actress who's curvy and they didn't cast like a wayfish like actress. I thought she's beautiful in general. I thought she's super, super charming. She was perfect. It was beautiful casting. And also she was like fighting like a badass. I liked that even when her arms got tied to her, she didn't like quit. She was like, oh, you want to go? Like I'm about to like, and the only reason they beat her is because there were five of them. I also like how she talks shit to him when he's like strapping her yeah, hand. She, she was like, oh, you were there five on one. Oh, <laughs> oh, big man on campus. I also like that separating their hands stops their magic like because it gives them something that you know yeah because otherwise they could just do it although i don't think it'll be interesting i don't know if they'll weave that in in this in this series or maybe future series but zoya there are very few grisha who can who can use their powers without both their hands or or at least one hand free and Zoya is one of the very few who can, like, you have to be, like, powerful enough, basically. She's one of the very few who can. I mean, it'll be interesting to see whether that ever comes into play. Probably not in this book, in this series, but maybe in, like, future ones. Well, one of the characters in um, one of the books of Shadow and Bone, it's Nadia's little brother. He loses one of his arms and has to learn how to yeah. do magic. Or But he still has one arm. He has one arm, like... yeah, but he doesn't have the other one, so he has to do one. 
Yeah, he has to relearn how to use his powers again, too. I thought Matthias or Matthias, however you say his name, I thought he was appropriately like cute looking in the sense that he's like big, strong, but also has sort of an innocent boyish face where you could see where he'd be swayed by her beauty. So I was glad that he had like a boyish face, but one scene that I really missed, and I wonder if it'll come up like in the next couple episodes, but in the in the book, she gets a black kefta. He, the darkling gives her his color to wear. And she begs Jenya not to make her wear it and begs her to get a blue one. Cause she's like, I'm already an outcast enough. Like I don't want to wear black and then no one will talk to me and I'll be all alone. Like I want to wear blue cause I'm a summoner. And Jenya's like, what are you talking about? You should want to wear black. You'll be above everyone. She's like, I don't want to be above everyone. This is like a core tenant of who her character is in the books. It's like, I don't want to be above anyone. I just want to fit in and like do my part. And in this one, she's only in blue. There's never any mention of black yet. But I also wonder if they're saving that for a more climactic moment where the Darkling is going to like, it's going to be a moment between them that he like presents it as like, I want you to be my match or my mate or my pairing or whatever. They're going to save it for when she's doing the final show and they give her the black captain that's really gorgeously beautiful. I think they're not going to mention it until they give her that. Okay. So I, I think you're right. I think I'm hoping that it will happen and that she'll, I don't know, that she'll reject it or that we'll get to have that moment. But I don't know. What did you think about Bagra? There's only like one scene with her so far, right? I like the actress. We'll see. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure. I didn't think she was as, so like, she's in this like kind of cool cavern looking thing in the books. She's just like this old crone in my mind. Who's like sitting with like hunched over with a hood, like next to a fire and just like shouting obscenities at people. The only moment I felt like she was really bagra to me is when she hit her with her cane. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, there she is. But I didn't like her as much. I like the actress, but I'm with you. The, I mean, the actress herself is fine, but I think that actress as this character for me was a no. Like, I'm with you in the fact that I envisioned something like, you know, especially because her name is, her name is Bagra or Bagra, which to me reminds me of every story where you had like a Baba Yaga. Yeah, for sure. She is supposed to be like Baba Yaga, for sure. She, she, yeah, that's what she's supposed to be. And so, and Baba Yaga, she's too pretty for Baba Yaga. She's to too me. pretty. Like she's, she has like good posture. She she's looks very capable. Like she's too clean. Her hair's done really nice. Her hair's like, done. Yeah, like I needed her to to look like she's lived a thousand lifetimes. Yes. And then, and because honestly, she's been following the Darkling, her son, for so long. Like she should look that the part, you know. Like I mean, I'm not mad at her. I'm gonna watch her and I'm gonna accept her for what she is. But but I wanted somebody different. And she's a very good actress. So I think her scenes with Ben Barnes will be very good because they're both great. So like, I think you'll feel that crackle of like th them fighting for sort of eye contact dominance. But yeah, I wanted, I wanted her to be a crone for sure. Yeah. You know, the scene where she's trying to convince her that she needs to leave, that the Darkling's going to use her and, and that mm -hmm. sort of thing in the books. I wanted her to look crazy so that when they're doing that scene and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. You know, I wanted her to have a crazy eye, like one eye that's bigger than the other eye. So that, <laughs> so that, so that Alita's not like, you know, really taking her seriously, but I take this woman seriously, like this woman in this, you know, right. and I think that's kind of what's missing for me. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the apparate, our final thoughts about episodes one through three, and then what we hope to see in four through six. 
Dear Romance Besties, if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance to check out our awesome perks, including stickers, watching movies with us, naughty book boxes, and you can even be on the show. Can't be a patron? You can still support the show by purchasing books or things we recommend through our affiliate links on our show notes and our dope ass website. Thanks for the commish. Or you can leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. Screenshot your review, send it to us on Instagram, and we'll send you some stickers. Now, Bridge, let's get back to the ratings. Yes. Okay, what did you think about the apparat, Jane? Because I had some thoughts. What is with the short cropped hair? Because that's definitely <laughs> not a thing. He's supposed to be like a disgusting rat man, like hiding in the shadows, <laughs> like literally like reaching out for her with claws. And he's just like a dude. Yeah. That's just a guy. Yeah. And she's like freaking out. And it's like, he's just a dude. What are you so freaked out about? He's just a guy coming to the library, helping you out. Nothing, no, nothing. No presence there. I totally agree with you. It's the same thing with the, with the Bagra, which is like, I like that they made it, they made him look like he was supposed to not be trustworthy, that he was out to get her that, so that you would, could get the flop impression when he like, you know, was actually trying to give her good information. And, you know, she just wasn't listening. And I liked that they described him as a smelly, gross person. And then... I agree. Like the guy that was there was like he just looked like a old, like a regular old priest. He's like, a, like, he's like a little. He's got like a little creep vibe, but not like a run for the hills creep vibe. It's no, more of just a like maybe we shouldn't be alone creep vibe. You know, he's got like your he's got like your older uncle who makes lame jokes vibe. That's honestly that's how he feels for me. Like it's just like yeah. you know yeah. maybe so a little socially awkward. And she in the books is immediately afraid of him. And like, they have like one quick scene he gives her the book and she's like, I gotta go. And in this, he like walks her to training and which is good because they needed to do a little bit of exposition dump. So it's fine. But I also feel like I wonder if it's because of like where his story will go and how it will link into the like the Sun Summoner Saint sort of storyline and stuff. But yeah, I thought it was like a little, I, I was surprised he wasn't creepier. But then again, if you consider the fact that obviously this this will be watched by people who read the books of course, but this is going to be watched by more people who haven't read the books than people who have read the books. And so I think as was the case with the Darkling, the showrunner doesn't want to give up who's bad. He wants you to think like, oh, it could be them. It could be them. Everyone like, so I think it's going to feel more like a jostling of her, like you and her, like us as her and the audience trying to figure out who she should trust and what is happening versus in the books where the books are much clearer on who's a good good person and a bad person. But I think the show is a little bit less. The one thing that I like in the books of the apparat was that at first, because she's so immediately against him, but she pays yeah. for that hesitation around him because she loses out on information that he could have given her. By the end, you're like, okay, the apparat's not a great guy. But like in the first couple books, you're like, wait, what is the apparat's deal? Because you think that he's evil to begin with, but then it becomes unclear because just like the lines start blurring. And I liked that aspect of it. I don't know what they're doing with this. Also, I will say I wanted him to have like a crazy weird accent. And on that note, this whole show suffers from British disease. And I wanted like Russian accents. I wanted, why were there no Russian accents? They're literally in fantasy Russia. I was really disappointed by that. I'll say that right off the bat. I wanted Russian accents. The Fjordans have like Swedish, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like everyone else is British. Well, there's some Americans though too. 
Actually, what so they talked about this. They basically let everyone have whatever their accent was. So, and the reason that they did, I agree with you, there are a lot of British accents, so there are a lot of British accents, but the reason that they let everyone have their accents, aside from like the Fjordans, and I assume the Shu will all have a, a unified accent, probably eventually the Zemeni will have a unified accent because their cultures are much more closed off. But because Ravka has all these refugees all the time coming in, it's much more of like kind of mix of whatever's happening. I do agree. I love a good Russian accent. And so I would like there to be, or any sort of Eastern European, I would like there to be some people who have that accent and that are from like one part of the army or one part of the country or whatnot. But it didn't really bother me just because I'm used to it and I was expecting it. It's a little bit sad that it actually doesn't, like it, that it doesn't bother because we're so used to it. It's like, I remember watching Ever After when they were in France and everybody had a British yeah. accent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair. And fair like movie. I watched it so, so many, many times. times and I would always, the British accent has become the uniform accent for other, like for anything foreign that's on the other side of the ocean is a British. Anything European. No, that, but not like, yes, anything European, but it's like, that's everything British, you know, is, is under that accent. And it's a little bit sad that, that we just accept that. That is a, <laughs> you know, and I always notice it, but it's just like, well, it's just the way it is, you know? I think the problem is that there are a lot of British actors who are very good. They are very good. And there are a lot of, and it's also, I think, much easier for British people to do an American accent than it is for them, for Americans or British to do a convincing Russian accent. Because this show, while I agree, I would have loved a Russian accent throughout, if it's bad Russian accents, then the show is terrible and it's annoying and it's comical because they're like, hello, <laughs> I would like to see the Darkling, <laughs> you know? And it's like, <laughs> I think Alina is in trouble. We must go through so the bridge. Right <laughs> That's my bad it's Russian. So <laughs> Isn't that a good bad one though? And then you could have, like, I feel like the only way it would have worked for me is if they got like, if they were like speaking in Russian. So like at one point when Alina's getting washed by the maids, the maids are peasants, presumably, or former peasants, and they speak old Ravkin, which is like a form of sort of Russian or, or, or some sort of Eastern European sounding language. And she's like, she like responds to them in English, but she's like, I know what you're saying. Like, I understand old Ravkin. And that was very rude. So I think as the series goes on, there will be subtitled or some anyway, subtitled conversations, but but I mean, it's not as bad as like Prince of Persia. You know what I'm saying? It's like you could have you could have a situation where you're trying to fake an accent that you cannot master, and therefore the movie does not work. Jake Gyllenhaal in an American accent. That movie goes on and makes double, and he does multiple sequels. But with that accent, they do one, and he's embarrassed by it, and he should be because it was not a good English accent. And he was a straight child; it made no sense. He could have just had an American accent. Do not make me start about that movie. I love it so much, but it's the accent is terrible. He should—they should have had him redub all his lines in ADR. But also, like you can tell, speaking of Jake Gyllenhaal, a lot of actors can't or don't act as well in a different accent because they're thinking about their accent and their mouth moves differently than normal and. In general, I think it would have been challenging to have, because there's so many fucking characters in this, it would have been very challenging to have, you know, a hundred characters all doing the exact same Russian accent, not a Russian accent, but the exact same one. So they all sound convincing. Like I can see why they were just like, you know what? I like you. You're a good actor. Keep your accent. And it'll all be, we just ignore accents like across the board. 
<laughs> it'll all be fine that's kind of like the for me like the bridgertons like oh, the different races and stuff i'm like it, like when they didn't say anything i was fine with it i was totally fine with the casting when they tried to actually explain why i was like oh stop 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 don't explain it um, but i did like uh kaz there was like one scene where he like identifies a woman and i don't like to know if this actually happened but he identifies a woman who's you know like a refugee basically in his in the casino and she's like counting money and he's like you know only people from this part of the world count money that way and people from west ravka don't call it west ravka they just call it ravka you know and and i like that that was like a thing where i was like it gave you a moment to see like how savvy he was and it was very quick you know and i like that a lot that doesn't yeah. happen in the no yeah because that's all pre all his scenes are <laughs> prequel in this so these are all the new scenes which is exciting for me also i didn't know that these things weren't happening like I didn't know that there were, it was like a flashback or like, so like in the story, when they finally get to Alexis or whatever, he tells them about a girl who saved the ship. But I'm seeing this, when I'm watching it, I was seeing it at the same time. So I didn't know that basically what's happening with the, the with Kaz and them is happening after she's already lit up the ship. Like the timeline for me was, like yeah yeah there's a little bit of a time thing with alexi a little bit yeah there's a time thing like they're like you, you know they're like i found this guy and i was like wait is that the same guy who came out of the you know like because it if you think about the fact that it took like a day for him to get there or whatever so like their information is like a day or two behind ravka so the timelines are in time it's just that like he escaped the boat on a thursday and they didn't find out about it until saturday and on saturday she's already in little Ra little palace and by the time yeah. they make their move, like, you know, whatever. So like, it's the, the timeline is the same, but they're finding out events later. It didn't feel like the timeline was the same because right when the show starts, they tell you like, oh, we saw him kidnap somebody in there in this place, right? So like, they had already kidnapped Alexis when the show like started, he was already in there. So that means like, there's a little bit of a jump back in the timeline. Like, because I was like, wait, that guy, didn't he just get taken? I was like, there's a there's a jump back in the timeline. It's it's kind of they start Kaz's story at the point where Alexi's already been taken and already seen the light. Right, but that was the same day because it doesn't. It's only take it only takes like an hour to get across the fold. So it's like the same night. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch it again. And then, but then they had to have stolen him. Like I mean, this shit moves quick because the, the time that he finds out about it, he has to figure out how to do it by the morning. So he. Their whole storylines, like it, all this stuff, is happening very fucking quickly. Oh, maybe that's what it is. We're seeing her over a course of a lot more time, and we're seeing them over the course of like a very short, tiny amount of time. But she's—we're not seeing her over a long time either, because that was like three days. No, she only no. sleeps once. There's only one more sleep till Christmas. Uh <laughs> she only sleeps once because yes, but the story starts with Kaz finding out that somebody has been taken as a hostage right and so the goal is no i get that i get that i'm saying i'd have to rewatch because i don't remember when he finds out in relation to her story yeah it, it's strange because after when i found that it was him i was like oh okay so this storyline started at the end of where we're leaving her off is what we started where his story started and then i was a little bit i won't say confused i just took my brain a minute to like reorient to where like what's happening and when that could be I don't know. My children were crawling on me, so it very well could be. <laughs> it very well could be. But I think they're supposed to be fairly in line. I, I think I'm going to read the second book because now I'm hooked. 
I'm hooked, man. I'm hooked. You're hooked. It's a, it's a nice adventure. I feel I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm here for this. One. Okay. So we've talked about what happened in these episodes. What are you hoping to see in the next ones? Episodes four, five, and six. I am really excited to see how Kaz, Inej, and Jesper meet or cross paths with, or maybe keep evading somehow Alina and like how they would possibly get into the little palace because that's going to be so completely brand new. Like that has not even been... Yeah, to break into the little palace because I don't even know. I'm also really excited to see, this is like a weird nerd thing to be excited about, but one of the things that I liked in the books was when Alina was learning about like the philosophy and like the techniques about Grisha and like where the science comes from and like Morisova. I thought that was really cool and about the saints too. So I hope they do like a cool, I don't know, a little bit more than a training montage where like we're like learning. I love it. She needs to have a training montage about how to learn to fight, about how to learn her powers. So I'm just assuming that that's happening in the next few books because that has to happen. I think the one thing, and I don't know what episode is going to come in, but I'm very excited for the moment she leaves the palace. That's actually the part I'm waiting for because I feel like that's when the real adventure starts. That's when the real, like, when there's real stakes at hand. I feel like the next few books are going to be them. One, she's going to find Mal again at some point. Two, like, it's going to be the training montage and the more sexual tension between the, her and the Darkling and then her getting beaten up and stuff. I do hope that Zoya, I don't know what happens in the next books, but I do hope that she's not always, like, a villain or villainish. I hope that, like, there's a certain point where they, like, come together and be, like, homegirls, you know what I mean? Like, yo, we could do this together and not have to be that, like, girl against girl pit thing. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. Zoya, Zoya has good character development, I will say that. I will say, that's what I was going to say. I was like, she does develop. I won't give it away, okay. but she does evolve. As it were. I will be very interested to see how they do, because in the book, she goes to the little palace. I do actually agree now that I'm thinking about it with your thing about the timelines, because she's written, unless she's writing mail, like five letters a day, she's written him a bunch of letters already. And so I'm like, what is this bitch doing? <laughs> a lot, five letters on day one. Like what's happening? I'm interested to see how they do. Cause she's at training at the little palace for months before he comes back and she sees him again. And by then, like he hasn't answered any of her letters. He's been tracking the stag in the North you know, he's like killed people for the first time. They feel very like far apart from each other. And I wonder if they will do that because part of the reason that they had to do so much is because she was so weak and then had to like get start using her power, which then helped her get an appetite and gain weight and get powerful, like physically and with her actual powers. Since she wasn't sickly to start with, I wonder if they will skip over some of that time. I hope they skip over... And have her go over on the run sooner. I hope they skip over Mal doing that whole like, are you with him? Are you with him? I don't want you to be my I don't want you to be my friend. Yeah. Pussy ass bitch. Pussy ass bitch. I hope they skip that. I think that they will. I think that he's going to track her when she's leaving the palace. I think that's when. I think they've already changed his character and it's clear yeah. that they're going to make him the clear good choice for her. And they're going to make him a stand up man. I hope so. 
I think for sure, which is good because I think maybe he'll be like heartbroken, but not like a, a pussy ass bitch about the heartbreak, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. But again, like that's what I'm most excited to see is like how the writers and the showrunner will weave the next three. Like there's only five more episodes. And so they have to have presumably minimally one episode where they're looking for the stag together, if not two. And I think he's going to see her kiss the dark. They have to find the stag. She has to like learn to use her powers. Then she has to get told by Bagger she should run. In there somewhere, she tells like Mal and her say really hateful things. Then she runs. Then Mal finds her. Then they run away together. Then they're on the run for quite some time. A lot of stuff happens. And then they find the stag, you know, says she's going to free the stag. Darkling kills the stag. Darkling puts the collar on her, takes her to the fold. And then they push the fold forward together. I mean, like, that's a lot of shit that has to happen. So she can't be at the Little Pals for that long. My guess is that by the time Kaz and them break in, she will have run. And so then they'll be like one step behind. That's my guess. But I'm definitely interested. And I want to know if they're going to do a better job of making you feel like the Darkling is an actual option for her in terms of like a partner. Like, are they going to give them more scenes together? Are they going to have more tension between the two of them? Is there going to be more yeah. of a choice? I think they're going to, because it's going to be like an Edward Jacob type thing. They want people to have that fight because that's better ratings. Mm -hmm. That's better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I think they are going to do that. I think that Mao's going to see the Darkling kiss her one time before like, you know, for sure. so maybe he doesn't get a little angsty at the moment or he does, or it comes up a little bit later. Like I saw you, like I saw you, <laughs> you know, yeah. but uh, I do think that is going to happen. But hopefully it's less of like a stamping, like what are you dealing with him? Meh, meh, meh. And more of like, a, I thought we were supposed to be together. Crack my heart in half while I walk away and she's crying. You know? <laughs> it, to me, it's way more heartbreaking when someone says nothing, right? Or says very little. Like I remember, distinctly remember like when I was a kid, I got caught stealing, right? And my mom, dad bring me in the room and my mom was just yelling at me. Just blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I can take that all day. My dad looks at me and he's just like, I'm so disappointed. And he walked away. And I was like, oh my God, my life, my life is over. How will I ever, <laughs> like, you know, I kind of hope that it does happen that they go that route because I think the actor playing Mal really gets delivers and can deliver that emotion. And I might, I'll be heartbroken for him. Like his puppy dog eyes all full with tears. Yes. And she sees him and she's like, Mal, no. And he just like swipes it and walks away. <laughs> I'll die. So dramatic. <laughs> so dramatic. It's going to be great. Oh my God. Well, you guys, thank you for watching this show with me. This has been so fun. Very fun. You guys, let us know on the old Instagram what you think. We are going to be releasing episodes on Sundays and Wednesdays. So hello, today is Sunday. We'll be doing episodes four, five, and six on Wednesday, seven and eight next Sunday. And then we're actually going to do one final episode and do the whole season and talk to two special guests who are going to kind of get into the whole season and book series with us. It's going to be a fun little mini series. And along the way, we'll of course be doing our regular episodes. So Friday coming up, we will have the season finale of Dark Romance. Well, that's all the time we have for you today. Thank you, Jane and Shawnee for being here. And until next time, friends, may your books be your lover. And your hand, your best friend. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.